I'm Ian Dallimore, and this is Digital Endurance. Part of your failure is your success. We're literally sitting in a shop full of NFTs. I'm excited about the future. All right, welcome back, guys. So this will be fun. Uh, we're actually remote for the first time ever. So my ever. next ever. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no. Cool. So my next guest, he he's become one of my very good friends and kind of uh, bounce a lot of great ideas off of. So this will be a treat. He was actually a pitcher at LSU. Um, he played for the Boston Red Sox, and he actually played in the Korean Baseball League. Um, he's a sneakerhead, which if you listen to the podcast, it seems like I only select sneakerheads to be on the <laughs> podcast. Um, but more importantly, he's an entrepreneur. We'll walk through the different uh, businesses that you've invested in and you've owned, and a heavy, heavy focus, and this is where you and I met, heavy focus on mind, body, and fitness. And again, mind, body, and fitness. Uh, my good friend, I don't even know what your title is, but uh, Anthony Renato, yeah. welcome. Thank you, dude. I, I don't think I have a title anymore. People ask me what I do, and I'm like, I don't know. I throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, see what I'm good at. I try a bunch of stuff. So um, I think you did a great, great job. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and, and I think I labeled you as a uh, futurist the other day. So. You did, actually, and I like yeah. that. That was, uh, yeah, in a, brie in a briefing, I felt I felt good about that. I was like, yeah. I don't really know what that entitles, but I'm, I'm down for it. So Yeah. So it's, um, it's interesting, right? Because you are an athlete. And the, the funny part of the story when you and I first met is I actually started working out at, in one of your investments at 45 gym. Yep. I didn't even know you were a baseball player, which my bad, where <laughs> every, everybody else in the gym's like fanboying over you. But the unique thing that brought me to you was kind of you as a person and who you are. And the athlete side is super cool. But talk to everybody a little bit about, you know, your past as an athlete and your kind of journey to where you are today. Absolutely. I mean, um, and first of all, I don't, I don't, I, I like when people don't know that I'm an athlete, right? Yeah. I, I think a lot of people assume it or they look at me and they're like, oh, I bet well, you, you are six, you are six, seven. So. Right, yeah. And I'd like to think I'm somewhat in shape, right? So yeah, a you know, bit. if I'm a gym, if I'm a gym owner, um, but that, people are like, oh, you have to have played sports, right? And all that. So it's kind of been my identity for a long time. And, and it's something that I'm proud of, you know, to, to talk about. It's something that has opened up doors and allowed me to do really cool things in my life. Um, but I've really, really enjoyed and appreciated this kind of transition phase that I'm in going into the next phase. So, um, as, as great as baseball and athletics were to me my whole life and growing up 28 years of that, um, I'm really looking forward to the majority of my life, which is sure. not going to be involved in sports. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's look, a lot of athletes in it, and I've been blessed to be a lot around a lot of them. I was a division two college basketball player, those of you who know me personally, I, I had a, a division one scholarship that I completely passed up for baseball, but you know, you're, uh, you make your choices that's in life. way more fun. We've talked about this before. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. But it, but oftentimes you're right. These athletes get caught up so much in this mentality and you and I, you know, as the intro alluded to the fitness, yes, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to get into fitness, but you as a person, your mental and who you are mentally and how you have those mental challenges, specifically being a, a pitcher in the major leagues, being a pitcher at one of the, the greatest college baseball programs in the country. Talk to us a little bit about that, because that's not easy, right? Because you're, you're the guy, you're, you're coming on the mound and the mental toughness that you have, but also going back to just being an athlete and then all of a sudden that chapter of your life ends. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great question. And I think it's, something specific to athletes, but even more to baseball players too. And I'm sure there's some other sports that are similar, but baseball is a game of failure. You have mm -hmm. to learn how to fail. Part of your failure is your success. So, I mean, a 300 hitter is a hall of famer, right? So this is the most easy example, which means seven out of 10 times that person's going back to the dugout 
unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of the game, right, if you have a perspective, that's a Hall of Famer. That's one of the best in the game. So, and the same thing with pitching, right? There's a time that I throw a ball and I got to come back and throw a strike. I give up a home run. I got to get the next guy out, right? I lose a game and I got to bounce back five days later and pitch. So it's always responding to adversity, responding to failure and how you kind of allow that to keep you going and momentum, you know, creating momentum. And I think that's kind of what I've really enjoyed about this process and what I've taken from baseball is when I was playing baseball, I felt like I needed to be in the major leagues the day before yesterday. Sure. I needed to make a hundred million dollars the day before yesterday. Right. Cause everybody told me this my whole life. Um, and I think if I really could go back and talk to a younger version of myself would be like, just be present, be where you're mm-hmm. at, enjoy that process. And I didn't really understand what that meant when older people told me that, but as I'm in entrepreneurship right now, I'm exactly in the minor leagues, right? Like I have these yeah. grand plans for my businesses and things that I want to go, but I'm also 32 years old. I just started this and I'm in the grind right now. So that's the, the part that I'm enjoying is taking from baseball and applying it to entrepreneurship. Yeah. And there's, there's you who, who don't know how the baseball world works and that's kind of my background, which right. was interesting because, yeah. you know, you, you are fanboyed a lot by a lot of people, especially here in Baton Rouge. And I started telling stories and you were like, oh, this dude is legit. He yeah. did work in, in minor did. league baseball. Yeah. But, you know, you came out of LSU. You were a first, second round pick. And you were, you weren't kind of this single A, I'm going to give it my all, make it. Right. You were one of the top tier picks out of college. And then to go into the minor leagues right out the shoot, I mean, that's a, that's a kick in the face for anyone. And look, every great player that, that you can imagine had that journey where they had to take a bus from one ballpark to the other, where in their mind, they're told their senior year, junior year, Hey, you're the guy and you you could still be the guy, but you're getting on that bus and driving from, you know, the Charlotte Knights to the, uh, the other triple A team and you're driving two hours on a bus. Yeah. And, and two, I mean, I think it's even more, on a bigger, like from, not from me, but I'm saying LSU guys in general, mm-hmm. right? Because still some first rounders come from, you know, junior colleges yeah. or even high school and then they're on those buses and it's not that different, but yeah. I'm coming almost from like a rock star place here where we're flying private to go to Florida, you know Correct. what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, and we get a nice budget to do things. We have Nike elite clothing. Our facilities are really nice. We're working out in top notch facilities. And then to be like that of, yeah, you're the bonus baby and you're our first rounder and it's awesome and everything, but you're still going to be on this low a bus and you're going right. to be doubling up with the other six foot five guy next to you, you know? Yeah. So it's cool. It's humbling, but it was, um, it was definitely an emotional roller coaster for me throughout yeah. my career. And I think that's what I've loved and watching you grow your different businesses. And we can kind of go into that in more detail, but I literally told my kids walking them to school today, I said, be present. And yeah. and look, they were acting like nine-year-olds should act. <laughs> and I said, you need to enjoy the moment, yeah. enjoy the moment. And, you know, I told my daughter, I said, you filming that, that film, it went by and now it's gone. So enjoy that moment. And, you know, mentally, how do you prepare yourself once you realize, all right, we're going to hang it up. So you, you played pitch for the Red Sox. And then as your career switched over, you went to Korea Talk to us about that transition. And then as you kind of finally had that moment where you're like, I'm not an athlete anymore. No offense. (laughs) I mean, I know you can still dunk when we play hoops together, but (laughs) my focus is no longer, my label is no longer athlete. I'm now entrepreneur and let's start this path. I think I still battle with it, honestly. I mean, if we're being real, I think it's something that has been my identity for so long. And it's really, I mean, yeah, it's been four or five years, right? But in the grand scheme of things, relative to my whole life, it's not that long. So it's still something I am adjusting to. 
and honestly, the emotions too of like walking down the street and somebody's like, oh, you play basketball? I'm like, nah, I played baseball. <laughs> and they're like, oh, cool. What team do you play for? And I'm like, oh, I'm retired. And it's like that little moment right there is like, oh, I wonder if I'm disappointing them, you know, like, or whatever, wondering what they're thinking. And I'm like, dude, what does it matter? I had a great, like, it's probably an awesome experience for them. Sure. They're just talking to me, you know, like yeah. whatever. I'm just, I try to have different experiences with it. But my first thought is like, oh man, I'm a disappointment. I'm a failure. I'm not playing anymore. Right. I should be playing. All of my peers are still playing. There's a lot of still inner talk that goes in there, but it's usually, I recognize it pretty quick. And we talk about the mental side of things, right? It's like, okay, cool. That was just a part of my life. And I'm really excited about this new journey that I'm on right now. So I'll be more focused on talking about that with the people and, and yeah. changing the moment that way. So let's, uh, before we go into the investment, let's, let's talk about that because I I'm huge into the fitness, the wellness, you know, eating right. And, you know, not to make this about a health podcast, but <laughs> it, it, it really is that way, yeah. whether you're an athlete and you're stepping on the mound pitching, you know, at Fenway or you're stepping into a presentation or you're an intern showing up for and trying to prove out why you're worth. Talk to us just briefly about how to be mentally present and the importance of being physical, um, mentally strong and just putting the right things in your body and what that output leads to. Yeah. I, for me, everything starts with the brain, right? And mm -hmm. so and I, and I say that because brain health to me is as important as any other part of mm -hmm. your body. So, and that, whether that's meditation or the food that you eat or the exercise that you do to me, all of that has purpose. And that's honestly, so that my brain is functioning properly. Yep. And what we know about the brain and all the things that are coming out in research, right. Is this is the most enlightening part of human beings consciousness and like the way we understand the brain, right? So regulating your emotions, decision-making, energy, all of that stems from the brain, right? So if your brain's not firing and you're not making those good decisions then you're not operating your business, right? You're not playing sports, right? You're not playing at the highest level or performing at the highest level. So for me, everything that I do relates back to my brain health. So that way sure. I can make the best decisions and, and try to be in the best state of mind to regulate and just, you know, navigate life. Yeah. yeah. And, and you do some pretty bizarre stuff <laughs> and I, I try to do a few of them, but recently Anthony's working out and he has this, and you're really big into the breathing thing. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, that leads to mental health that leads to, you know, being more present and you do this challenge, maybe talk a little bit about it how you work out for 45 minutes with, <laughs> with water in my mouth. Water yeah, so, in your mouth. Um, so about two or three years ago, I discovered kind of the benefits of nasal breathing. And so I, I came across a doctor, um, Belisa Vronich, and she really helped. I did a course with her and she taught me about the importance of almost horizontal breathing. So having your ribs cages expand horizontally rather than vertically. Um, and that really stems from a lot of nasal breathing. I read a book, um, breath by James Nestor that mm -hmm. just changed my whole outlook on everything. Started taping my mouth before I went to bed at night, you know, so I was nasal breathing throughout the night, all these different things. I started pushing that into my workouts. And then about six months ago, I saw a post from one of my, uh, like mentors from afar, you know, that I, that I, that I follow. And he said, back in the day, Roman empire used to challenge their warriors. And so the emperor would kind of challenge all the warriors and say, here's a sip of water. Now I need you to run 26 miles, which was a marathon, you know, and you're going to meet me at the next destination. And I want you to spit this water out when you get there. So it was in the middle of the day, it was the hardest thing, but it taught them how to breathe through their nose and then discipline, right? You had sure. cold water or water that you wanted while you're sweating, you're hot and you want to swallow it. It was more the mental side of it to be like, no, I can get through this. I can regulate my nervous system. I can get to the end goal. And so that's kind of what I do in the gym is I put, you know, I do it, put some water in my mouth and I put the tongue on the roof of my mouth and I just try to focus on my breathing. 
And there are times that I get nervous and scared that I'm going to choke on some water or spit it out or whatever. But then I just calm myself down. And honestly, it's fine. And I deal through 45 minutes almost every yeah. day with water in my mouth. So it's, it's been a cool challenge for me. And it just allows me to kind of push myself differently during the, the 45 minute workouts. Yeah. Bizarre. He also, he also, <laughs> Psycho. Some people might yeah. think I'm just crazy. Yeah, so. you are. Yeah, and sometimes you work out barefoot, which you want to be getting. <laughs> I think I do that. it every time barefoot. Yeah. So, yeah. But so you go from being an athlete and, and obviously just constantly being driven and I don't want to say this in a negative light because you and I do have a lot of mutual friends that are former athletes, but it's so easy to be caught up in the recognition, as you'd mentioned, walking mm -hmm. down the street. And, and again, you don't look like a baseball player because you should be a basketball player, your height <laughs> and size. And, and the most unrecognizable athlete is major league baseball players because yeah. they look like people like me. Yeah. <laughs> Skinny little white guy. You look guys. like an athlete. So yeah, like, well, appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. But that leads to oftentimes this fear. So there's so much passion about where athletes want to focus on their dreams of you're so driven that, Hey, I'm a pitcher, I'm a golfer, you know, I play tennis and that's all I'm put on this earth to do. And most athletes, their, their time span is fairly short. Yeah. Baseball is probably the longest, but it's the, what do I do next? And, you know, you and I've talked at length about the mental, uh, health and, and how to focus on that. But it's so easy where a lot, and I don't know what the statistics are, but most of the friends that we have, you immediately just go into like medical sales, car sales. And oftentimes it's the company just saying like, Hey, you're, uh, you're well known. This is going to benefit me right. as the director or VP of this company to make more sales. Cause Anthony is going to walk in. What made you make the decision of saying, you know what, I'm going to follow my passion and my dreams. I guess the fact of like having perspective, I think, I think in the back of my mind, if cards and culture fails tomorrow, right. And we have to close up shop, I'll have some investors that I'll have to pay some money to, right. And pay myself back and like those kinds of things. And a couple of employees will have to find some new jobs, but at the end of the day, I can go find another job, right. Mm -hmm. I can go do those device sales if I wanted to, it's always going to be there if that's what the mindset is. Right. So for me, I was like, why not chase something that I'm passionate about that I think I'm good at and let the market or business or other things tell me otherwise sure. first, you mm -hmm. know? And then if that day happens, it's kind of like that I'm erasing that fear of failure almost, mm -hmm. right? With baseball, it was like, oh, you can't quit baseball because you can't do business. You're a baseball player. And it was right. that fear of, I can't, well, now I'm going to try it. And if I mess up and if it doesn't yeah. go well, guess what? I'll call somebody and be like, hey man, where do you think I could fit into this world in the mm -hmm. corporate world? I'll, I'll, I'll work from the bottom and work my butt up all the way mm -hmm. up to the top, you know, or where, wherever you, wherever I want to be. Um, so I guess that confidence of like, that's always going to be there yeah. allows me to chase the dreams in the meantime. And, and while I'm young and I'm not married, I don't have kids. I don't have a girlfriend right now. Like there's this is what I have. So I can yeah. chase my passions and do some fun stuff, you know? And, and the worst thing you could ever tell an athlete and an entrepreneur is, man, you can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that just, exactly. fires, up just everything. fires us up. More. So you, you have a ton of investments. Um, you know, you've, you've invested with, in with Marucci early on. Yep. And so kind of let's start there and yep. kind of work through, you know, you have a, a multiple amount of companies that you're invested yeah. in and you, run very passionately. There's not a single company that I know on the list of investments that you're not giving a hundred percent towards. I appreciate that. Um, I, I think it started for, for me, once I signed professionally, I kind of knew I wanted to invest in businesses. My dad was entrepreneur by, you know, I think he, he worked for an insurance agency, but then had his own office, you know, and was like yep. growing it that way. And I always kind of saw that and 
that motivated me. So when I had a little bit of money, when I first signed, I invested in a few things. Um, the first investment that I made actually in 2011 was into a company called diamond nation, okay. which is yep. um, a baseball and softball Academy ran by Jenny Finch and Jack Cust up in New Jersey. It's a huge, huge, hugely successful, um, business. It's been awesome. So that was my first one. And I really learned a lot just, mm-hmm. just by investing, getting the, you know, the numbers every month, have, being on the conference calls and things like that. I was like, Oh, this is cool. I would love to have this for my own, you know, one day. Um, and then in 2014 I was switching agencies or I wound up switching agencies because I wanted to invest in Marucci. I think you'll appreciate this. Mm-hmm. I, I saw the value in me being part of the marketing story for their gloves, right? Like they were just bringing on the gloves and I wanted to be a part of that. I was in Boston at the time, just made my debut. And I was like, if I'm wearing Marucci, it'll help, you know, show the brand off. It'll grow the brand. It'll be, I'll be in, I'm an investor, all that stuff. Right. So that was my first taste was I wanted to write a check and then I wanted to be involved too. I wanted to be involved in the glove detailing process. I wanted to bring the gloves to the clubhouse and be like, guys, feel these new gloves. Mm -hmm. Look at the technology that they're implementing here. You know, that kind of shit stuff. Um, and just being a part of that community and that growth was really fun for me. So not only did I write the check, but I also felt like I had some sort of involvement in the, in the growth of the company too. So it was fun when we made an exit strategy. And then, um, when I was done playing ball, I, I I wrote some checks, you know, here and there to a few things. And those were, those, those were smaller checks, but great learning lessons. There was two or three of them that didn't go very well. Right. But I felt like I needed to go through those. Yeah. So that way I could open up F45 and do something here with cards and culture. So it's been a cool journey. I've had, you know, two or three failures, but I've had two or three really good success stories. And now with F45 and this, I feel like I'm, I'm set up and, and, I'm, I'm excited about the future. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And you, so you move on to not move on, but you continue the path of being an entrepreneur, which I love the fact that when you did invest with Marucci, you were still playing. Yep. And look, I've, I've been in the clubhouse in the major league side with the Braves and AAA with the Astros affiliate a long time ago. And oftentimes when we would have brands, they would come through myself and one other, and we would bring it to the clubhouse, yep. but to have an athlete want to be a part of it whether you realize it or not, you were moving towards the path of being an entrepreneur because it's easy just to take the check and take the glove yeah. and just be like, I'm good. Uh, cool, yeah. Yeah. But to be a part of it yep. is, is big. So you then invest in F45 that we keep talking about. Yep. Uh, they take all my money once a month and, and <laughs> you look, look good. It, you look good. Though, thank so you. But it, it yeah. but it's, it, so talk to us a little bit about that. You know, yeah. why the gym, you know, I, I find it intriguing because you're an athlete and you want to move on and invest in something. So, so far the three investments that you've mentioned all had to do with your previous yeah. life as a baseball player. I think it ties back to when you were like saying like, how do you get through, you know, not being an athlete anymore? It's kind of this way, investing mm-hmm. in things that you feel like you have, you're competent in, right? Yeah. I have a vast knowledge and experience in. So, and even if, like when I first opened the gym, I wasn't, didn't have the greatest movement patterns, mm-hmm. but people trusted that I had trained at the highest level. So they knew that the product was good. Right. So it was a little bit of authenticity. Same thing in here, right? Yep. I can pull a Jersey out and show somebody something because I was there and they're like, this is a different experience than right. another hobby shop that just bought it. And they yeah. at an auction, you know, and it's sitting in their shop. So to me, it was more about the experience that we were going to get. And I loved the opportunity that Bo and I had bringing a fitness concept to Baton Rouge because Again, we go back to the athletes, you know, being told they can't do something. Um, you know, people were like fitness concept in Baton Rouge. People don't care about that. They don't care about nutrition. They don't care about wellness. They don't mm-hmm. care about that kind of stuff. And I was like, you know what? 
uh, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to show them ways that they can balance. We don't right. have to be all in and be the California, you know, F45s that everybody yep. is out there paying $350 a month. We can do it on our scale, do things fun, do it right, mm -hmm. and just introduce things that we have had experience with throughout our life that have bettered our life. Yep. So that was Bo and I's intention was to build a community here that was focused around balance, but understood that fitness and wellness was an important part of that balance. Yeah. It, and it's interesting not to plug F45, but the the community that you yeah. guys have built there. Look, you have, you have executives all the way down to interns, to students, to moms that every day they're held, holding each other accountable. Yeah. And it, it's fun to be a part of something bigger and feel like you're pushing you as a member of F45. You feel like you're pushing that mom that may be going through a tough time yes. or that intern that's, you know, has finals next week. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know f in my personal experience there. I've helped a few people there get interviews at Lamar and get a few people awesome. connected. And, yes. and so that's what it's really about. And I think that that's watching you as a human. That's one of the things that I've seen. You're not just a gym owner that just pushes people towards, you know, Hey, better in your health and fitness. Right. You really are invested in those people in the community. Although I do tell you, you need to be uh, a little bit more stingy with your time <laughs> no. because everybody's going to want to pull you in yeah. different directions. No, that's definitely something I've learned, but I appreciate the, the words and, and even just hearing those types of things. That's a new experience for me. I've never heard you say that. Right. So yeah. that's just another thing that I'm like, that's purpose right there. That's why we do stuff. And sometimes mm -hmm. when I'm struggling or having a bad day, it's little things like that. They're just like music to my ears to be like, all right, cool. We're on the right path. We're doing stuff the right yep. way, you know? And so that's why we do it. And that's like, that's what Bo and I always came together for was we understood. And, and also too, right. We didn't want to be a turnover gym membership where it's like right. six months. We have new members every six months. We were like, how do we, we like literally at, um, at induction, we were like, what's the average retention rate for members? They were like a uh, year ish. And I was like, yeah. I was like, Bo, ours is going to be two and a half years. Like yeah. let's do something outlandish where it's sure. like, this is a community. People are like, I don't want to cancel my membership. I have to like, you know, like that kind of stuff. So, but it, but it, again, it stems back to you as a person, you know, whether you realize that high school, Anthony, college, Anthony, you've had that mindset where you probably worked out with your teammates. Right. And so now you're like, all right, this is what I know. Yep. And this is what I experience. That's a great point. And you know, you, you always want to be that person that people want to emulate. So we're sitting in cards and culture. So I know you've referenced it a few times, but most of our listeners, unfortunately for all of them yeah. don't live in Baton Rouge. Talk to us a little bit about what cards and culture is, what inspired you to open this place. And then we're actually going to talk about, um, the Korean Jersey Let's go. that got, that That's got it. cut up. Yeah. Um, so cards and culture is the way I describe it is a modern day collectible shop. Um, and we're a collectibles brand, sports cards, memorabilia, sneakers, art, and like vinyl, all, all kinds of collectibles in, in general, action figures, things like that, comics. Um, but even like streetwear and, and limited drops of clothing and things like that. I think what I've appreciated and what I've come to realize is I love psychology. I love human behavior and stuff like that. So I think human tendency is to collect things, even if it's money, right? Like we stack money, we save money. It's, yep. it's, it's a, it's a mindset. So I thought it was really cool for me to be able to combine sports and business and show people value of things. So sure. I always, this always, this, what cards and culture started as was an online you know, just storytelling thing. Yeah. Hey, I have a bunch of cool memorabilia. Here's why it's valuable. And then when the card industry boomed, I started dabbling and making some money and, and doing different things and started selling art. And I was like, man, this would be a really cool concept to have an actual shop where I can 
bring more, again, take the, the mindset and the, the ideas that we had with F45 and apply it to this, right? How do we build a community around collectibles and things mm -hmm. that people love to collect and showing value and information and educating people, um, but also helping them make money too around things that they, they appreciate, they love. And it goes back to the things you're passionate about, right? If you're a Funko collector, we, you know, there's ways to make a ton of yep. money in Funko pop dolls, you know, right. and things yep. like that. So I think that's, what's fun for me every single day is a new experience, a new mm -hmm. opportunity. And, and really it feels like every single day there's, there's a new trend or a new news thing about this or that. So that's kind of what we do here. And, and obviously I, I thought it would be a great community ground for podcasting and other sure. things that yep. I was doing in, in the multimedia world or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And we, and if you, you do ever get a chance and we'll, we'll actually, we're going to put some photos on the blog post as well, yes. but we're sitting on this really cool, uh, purple couch, yeah. but more importantly, right above us is, again, going back to help the community, you found a few artists and Dilo, yep. I believe his name, he put together and painted this amazing piece of uh, Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Obviously yep. Shaquille O'Neal being an LSU athlete, Kobe and Shaquille with the Lakers um, back in the day. And this piece is absolutely iconic, but you actually have a cool story about it where obviously Shaq's son, but Shaq came in here and saw it as well. I'm surprised it's still hanging on the wall. I know. We tried to get to get him to buy it, but he told us he had 8,000 of these things sent to him when Kobe passed, unfortunately, you know, yeah. a lot of these murals and stuff. Um, but yeah, this was, this was awesome. This was, um, D'Lo, David Lasavio is a local Baton Rouge kid. And I got connected with him about three or four years ago and I commissioned him. I'm pointing here in the shop, but a, a few pieces here in the shop, I had him commissioned for my house out in U club when I first yep. moved in. And then I just got to know him over the, the couple of years that I was buying art from him. And he introduced me to his older cousin, Jacob Zumo, mm -hmm. who um, also was an artist. He was the one that kind of passed his knowledge down to David. He started mm -hmm. in the pop culture scene, but now is more into sacred art and that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so I got to know Jacob, went over to his warehouse. We have a bunch of his paintings in here as well. And they both presented the idea to me to do this for grand opening where we did a reveal yep. and we called it the LA Connection, yep. um, a friends and family collection where, mm -hmm. you know, Jacob... David and I all started becoming fr really close friends throughout this process. They're Italian. They have like a very strong Italian heritage background and family and friends. And we thought it was a great way to kind of incorporate the community, the art world. And so they, they painted this for me in 14 days and we it's did a really awesome reveal. Yeah. yeah. And so it's here in cards and culture. It's absolutely iconic. And Shaq came in, he was trying to visit a uh, Sharif who lives uh, kind of in this area, but I think they got their times confused. And so we had to kill some time. We took some pictures and he hung out in here. Yeah. It I was love really it. cool. So, and we're going to go back to the collectibles cause I, I do want to talk about the, the word NFTs and yeah. the importance, but before we go there, we want to go another, I don't want to say buzzword, but NIL. Yeah. So talk to us a bit about what NIL is for our listeners, you as an athlete and how you're supporting NIL and where you see that evolving. Yeah. And that was another reason that we talk about why Cards and Culture was was started, right? Um, I knew that NIL was coming. So if, for all the listeners who don't, don't necessarily know what that acronym stands for, it, it stands for Name, Image, and Likeness. And it was passed on July 1st with the NSA the NCAA um, allowed college students to be able to get paid. <clears throat> Coincidentally, that was the day that I opened up my doors here. So mm -hmm. I didn't think it was going to be that quick. Um, I thought I would have about a year to kind of get settled in before some things were passed. Um, so with that happening, it, it forced, not forced us, but at the time I wanted to start partnering with athletes. And this is why I started this, this shop. So I wanted to show that, right? Um, a part of this was if I had these abilities or the things that I've learned now, 10, 15 years later, right? Mm -hmm. How can I incorporate that or teach this and instill this in younger athletes who have an opportunity to grow their brand and, and, and change the lives of their families, you know, sure. and more importantly, 
most of these guys and girls are not going to play at the next level. So no. how do we capitalize on these three, four, five years that yep. they're here in school and teach them things that will then last and be sustainable for the rest of their lives? Yeah. And just to go a little bit deeper in NIL, it allows athletes now to get financial compensation from brands. Yep. A lot of it's local, a lot of local brands sponsor different people, different athletes. And with that comes at a service, but they right. get to be a part of you know, a photo shoot or their advertising campaign. But it, it is interesting, right? Because some of the top athletes that are receiving NIL money aren't the ones that you think. Right. This comes the question to you. They're being very savvy entrepreneurs at 18, 19, 20 years old in college. And they're very savvy because of social media yep. and how they've positioned themselves, most of them during their high school years. And now their value lives with where they sit in social. So talk about that a little bit why that is going to start prepping these college athletes to be entrepreneurs before their college career even ends as yeah. an athlete. I think it's, I think the case studies like you talked about, even like it's not the guys and girls that might be doing the biggest things or the best athletes or the ones that you would necessarily think of. Right. It's teaching them about marketing. It's teaching them about <clears throat> connecting to their fans and stuff like that. And that's what business is, right? Mm -hmm. If you want somebody to spend money on something, you got to convince them or have them believe or have them come on board as, you know, like a, a brand equity type play. Right. And that's what I think these kids are seeing is, and even for me as a business owner is, Somebody could have all the followers in the world that they want, but if they're not going to engage, they're not going to represent my brand the right way, or they're not going to do the things that I'm asking them to do contractually, I'm not going with them. And you know who might be more um, excited for that check or for that opportunity? The local kid here in Baton Rouge, who is the 12th player on the baseball team, but he grew up in Baton Rouge and has aunts and uncles and family members who are here. And if I put his t-shirt in this shop, they're all going to come to my shop and that helps my business. Right. Correct. And then that kid is understanding how to work within a team. Hey, I'm not the best contributor on the field, but here I am contributing to myself, my family. And the team is probably getting a lot of love too, right? There's a lot of energy going towards that. So that's the thing that I think that they're learning and understanding is how do you get people to come on board as a fan and, yep. and buy things and, and really be lifelong, like, you know, make that sustainable lifelong. Like, yeah. And it's, it's out of the classroom experience, right? Yeah. You know, I, I would say the same for, for people going through their different curriculums, doing internships. You know, we have a, a phenomenal intern at Lamar and, you know, we're giving her tasks that allows her to grow her experience and it's no different, right? Now the athlete gets to sit in on conference calls. They get to be a part of branding campaigns and, and the why behind it. And it's a, you know, I, I always say this college is extremely important, but what you learn in the textbook is not real life, right? No. And these athletes are getting this advantage Obviously getting paid is great. Talk to me about some of the pitfalls and some of the worries you have as an athlete. Cause guess, it is a brand that's going to yeah. be with you forever. Like correct. And I guess that's the thing that I'm concerned. I guess if I had a concern, it would be, it would be athletes attaching themselves to brands and companies or people or things for a cash grab. Yep. And that's the thing that is tough right <clears throat> now is when you, and it goes back to even what I said, there is a finite, opportunity here, right? An amount of time that you might have. So you might feel like you want to take everything that you can, but at the same time, you don't know how that might play out five years from now, 10 yep. years from now, right? If this executive or this person 
winds up doing stuff that's not aligned with yep. you or your morals, your values. So that's the thing that concerns me, right? And greed is the other one. Sure. I think that there's, with anything, become there there becomes greed and it's human tendency to exploit that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think that we'll eventually see how this plays out in recruiting. Yeah. I think that, you know, there will be money, funny money funneled into companies Oof. and things like that. Where Duffel like, bags of money. Yes, exactly, where you're paying guys and it's like, technically it's legal, but it's like, I don't know. So that's the thing that's concerning to me, but- yeah. I'm sure, you know, like anything, we'll figure it out. But it is fun to watch. And I, I don't remember the guy's name, but the team uh, that made it deep into the NCAA tournament, uh, St. Peter's. Yeah, yeah. From New know, Jersey. From New Jersey. Let's go, Jersey City, baby. The dude with a, with a mustache and yep. not to knock him, but Jesus, you would think that that guy like scored 180 points against Kentucky. He had one good game, came off the bench. Yeah. And now this guy is like NIL gold. Yep. It shows you too how moments matter too, right? Hundred like percent. Before the season, that kid probably didn't have one NIL deal. Let's let's be real. And now he's because of the moment and yep. a few weeks span, right? Like he is now one of the most popular people to be getting NIL deals with. So again, I think that teaches him too about this, the importance of a moment. Now it's it's the new viral moment, right? When mm-hmm. TikTokers or, or YouTubers would go viral, how do you sustain that? You've yep. got a bunch of followers. How do you make it a business now? That's key. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting to watch. And what's really interesting, Anthony, is to watch out of home specifically, our medium becomes such a center point in these athletes and influencers. Um, you know, there's a, there's a local company that that's putting together this technology that introduces athlete to brand influencer to brand, but it's interesting watching them utilize billboards as their brand, because the easy one is Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat. Like, Hey, part of your contractual obligation is do this photo shoot post six times on your Instagram page, tag us with our product or, or a part of our team. And that's it. But now utilizing billboards is pretty fascinating because, you know, when brands look at buying their first thought is, is social online CTV and mobile. Right. But even around town here in Baton Rouge, even in New York, LA, you're beginning to see these like top tier athletes appear on billboards and we'll, we'll post a handful of those as well. And that's pretty cool, right? I think it's awesome. And I think, like I said, it's opportunities for the athletes to experience things that they wouldn't have experienced until they were in at the next level too, yep. right? Um, or would never experience because they didn't get to that next level. Right. So to me, I think we're teaching kids at a younger, it's just like human, like evolution and stuff like that. They're going to learn things at a younger age and just be more prepared to do cool stuff in the world. Um, but like I said, like, I hope that they take the lessons from all of this and apply it and and don't just think that it's going to last forever. Yeah. I played division two basketball. If I had an NIL deal, I would capture every cash. (laughs) Just kidding. What would have been your best NIL deal? Oh God, I don't know. (laughs) Where'd you eat the most uh, lunch? Yeah. Probably where where I would eat like a sushi place. Yeah. Or a sneaker shop. I'd definitely sign a deal. Can we sign a deal right here, right now? Yeah. We could definitely figure something out. I'm an influencer. Exactly. (laughs) How, how would to kind of conclude this? And I want to move on to NFTs because you made a great point about capturing the moment. And I believe that that's what NFTs are. But before we move on to that. Back to you. What do you think your entrepreneurship would look like had you had this NIL? I don't know. I want to say that it would have helped my career, but I don't know. Maybe like the thing that I, that's why I'm so adamant about this two kids is I don't think anybody could have told me something at 21 years old or 20 Mm -hmm. years old, unless it was my sports agent, right? Like that would have 
I don't know. I just, I would have been, I, I don't know. I, I think I would have made a lot of money, but I don't think I would have, I'm, this is just being me being real at 20 years old, 21 years old. I don't think I would have had the wherewithal to connect with people the way that I'm trying to show kids yeah. that they should. So I think that's what I'm passionate about with this side of things. Um, yeah. And it's exciting. I don't know. I think I would have had some fun with it though. Yeah, for sure. What would your NIL deal be? Ingas would have been my number one. I would have, I would have literally Ingus. been like, you don't have to give me any money. Just give me free sandwiches every day and, every I'll, day. and I'll be fine. I'll talk about it. I'll post about it. And Ingas is a local sandwich yeah, shop. A local sandwich shop here. That's all I need. Ridiculous. But also it was a different time with me too, right? There was only Facebook. I didn't have That's Twitter. Right. I didn't yeah. have Instagram. I didn't have TikTok. So it was like, <sighs> and I didn't really use Facebook. You can only have 5,000 people request you at a time. Like, you know, or like have a, a certain amount of friends at a time. Like That's so. adorable. I've never had over 5,000 people want to follow me on anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like the, the reason we knew that is because we went to the world series. All of our inboxes were just full. It was like, nobody could request you anymore. Cause like you can only have 5,000 requests and you can only accept as many, you know, at a time or whatever. So, but that was, that was our equivalent of the yeah. viral moment, right? Like we didn't have anything else. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't, I think Twitter came out in 09 after we won. Yep. And I was like, this is stupid. We're like, you know, we yeah. just didn't understand it. So it was a different world. It would have been completely different, but would yeah. have been interesting. So NFTs, uh, non-fungible tokens, mm -hmm. that's been a buzzword that's popped up a bunch yeah. in our space uh, in the out-of-home industry and just the advertising industry as a whole. And, you know, that in the metaverse, we're not going to talk about metaverse <laughs> today. Um, but NFTs, so you, yes. you, you, we're literally sitting in a shop full of NFTs. First off, define NFTs for, for our listeners and what it means for brands, what it means for the future. Yeah. So NFTs are, it's a technology on the blockchain. So the blockchain is just a series of codes of a website. So that way there's a ledger of information that is um, decentralized. There's not somebody running it. There's not somebody in charge of it or having power over it. It's literally computing numbers and the computer is running basically the, the websites and stuff. And an NFT is a layer on top of that technology, which is just a verification of an item basically. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you say there's NFTs around here, we have physical items, but what would make it an NFT would be the digital representation of that. And it's verified on the blockchain. So right. yeah, I guess that would be the easiest way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, that's perfect. And it's it, from a collectible standpoint, that's, you see these massive brands, yeah. especially from the, uh, the cards side of the collection a lot of them are moving towards NFTs. Yes, you can own the physical one of one of that or one of 500, mm -hmm. but owning that NFT of that product is is interesting. Yeah. You and I have talked about a handful of athletes, um, Astros, former LSU baseball player, um, Alex Bregman, yep. and how he's been NFT in his bat that he uses during the World Series or certain cleats or certain gloves. Talk about what, what that means as an, as an athlete specifically and from a collectible standpoint where NFTs sit. Yeah, I, I, think, I think this is just NFT technology is um, going to be the epitome of like human evolu evolution. So I think the technology is what's here to stay. I think the way that we're using it and exchanging it right now is similar to when Instagram came out and we sure. were like, look at we, this cool filter that we could put on a photo, right? But yeah. now we use Instagram completely different. Mm -hmm. It was the technology that, that we were addicted to or that we became addicted to, right? And that like governs our behavior. And the same way that people want a, a, a blue check because that gives them some sort of social status or you post a picture on something, right? And or somewhere and you're projecting this out to the world for status, right? Yep. Um, that's what I think NFTs are. And it's the same way that if Alex Bregman hits a, a home run with a bat and then goes in NFTs and, and a kid is going to have a digital representation of that and they're going to, it's going to be a clout thing, right? Like yep. I own the digital representation of this and it's going to be no different than a, a blue check or taking a picture on a beach or a private jet or something like that yep. where people are projecting this 
this worth or merit status, yeah. Yeah, status yeah. out to the world. And so that's what I think we're going to use NFTs for. But I think it's going to be, they're going to be used more for ticketing events and mm-hmm. things like that, ledger systems, like contracts and stuff. But I think it's going to be the way that we share that information. Yeah. And it's, it, you'd mentioned moments. Yeah. And the ability to NFT specific moments. I, I think that that's where people, you and I talk about NFTs a lot and where it fits. And I think that's, those type of things are when it gets silly, right? Yes. It's like, oh, this tweet, I've yeah. NFT'd this tweet. Yeah. That's where I'm like, I get it, but I don't think that there's value there. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, I think it's cool to say it, but I don't know how much people are going to pay for it in right. the future. That's the thing where I'm like. Yeah. And the other interesting thing, going back to the, not the athlete side of it, but just take one of your jerseys, for example. And I do want you to tell the, the yeah, story yeah, about, yeah. but you take that and that's a one-to-one. That's a, you know, Bregman jersey, yep. or that's a, a Albert Pujols jersey or a pair of cleats that uh, OBJ wears. Yep that not only is super cool because you can, we can NFT it and mint it. OBJ can do that, but also to say, Hey, I own a piece of that. But more importantly, if those cleats get sold or the NFT gets sold, it's, it's no different than the stock market. You know, I have value in the company and I yep. bought in at $55. I have value in this NFT and I bought it for one ETHRO or yep. whatever it may be. As it sells more, there's value and worth. And that's where it gets interesting, where you have a lot of banking and investing firms that are getting into this space. Because just as we joked, you have a, a, a painting of Hannes Wagner, but that's one of the most iconic baseball cards ever. Uh, I was jokingly saying like how many grandmothers are literally cleaning <laughs> right. out their, their kids. Yeah. Like what are these baseball cards doing? And then there goes like a $4 million baseball card to have that in a digital wallet becomes yours forever. And I've seen a lot of memes where it's like, here's this NFT and you open your wallet up and you're like, this is who I am. Right. And you own, but it's, that's it, kind of the way that humans interact and they correct. communicate, right? You're communicating. I mean, it's no different than I'm, I put these shoes on. I bought these shoes. I spent $400, $500 on these shoes because of what it represents, right? Yep. And it's the same thing as these digital NFTs. And they're going to be like, I bought this because it represents access to this club. Or I bought this NFT because it certifies that I hold a million dollars in diamonds with this big diamond company, or here's an NFT representing my Rolex collection. That's housed at Rolex headquarters, you know, but here are all my digital representation, you know, ownership from Rolex. And I'm going to show you, Oh, you collect Rolexes too. Here's my, my portfolio. What's your portfolio? You know, like that kind of stuff. So I I just think it's a new way to communicate the things that we buy, sell and trade. Where do you think without giving away too many secrets? Yeah. Cause I know you and I are working together with some <laughs> cool concepts with yeah. out of home and NFTs, but where do you see brands that are advertising playing the NFT space? Creating better experiences for mm-hmm. their people that, that they're selling things to. So I think it becomes, um, Gary V says this all the time and yeah. I know we like to, he's, he's big into NFTs, but he, he's like, today we are seeing with NFT technology, it's collectability with a hint of utility, but in mm-hmm. the future it's utility with a hint of collectability. Yeah. So I think for brands and businesses in the advertising space, if you guys are asking them to spend, you know, X amount or whatever, you're creating a better experience around that whole advertising thing. So they're going to get traditional advertising stuff plus this X, Y, and Z experience plus now this NFT and digital representation that could be a collectible and you can make royalties on in the future, yep. but adding that value to it. Yeah. Us. And we'll, we'll add this to the blog post, but Gary V does a, a great job of NFTs 101 and he kind of teaches you and, you know, you talk about utilities. He's, you can now pay certain ethers to get yeah. Gary V to play Uno with him. Right, right. Um, 
Claire, our producer and I, we looked into getting Gary Vee on the podcast yeah. and we were like, oh, this is super cool. And then we're like $40,000 yeah. or yeah. however many ethers that is. So we hard pass on that, which is, but, if, but, but if somebody else wants that in the future, then maybe the 40,000 is worth 80,000 if correct. Gary keeps doing his thing. Right. So that's the, the sell of NFTs, right. I guess is, yeah, maybe you get what you want, but then if you hold it for another year or two and you go to the event next year, you might be like, dude, I just did the podcast with Gary. I'll sell it to you for 50 grand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, for sure. like you, this is what we got from it. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. You know? And I think that the, the utility is the key. Right? right. And I think that that's, that's where we're, we're experimenting. Um, Lamar, Colossal, playing with you and your, your futurist background, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that's what I implore the industry to do is to approach brands, see how, you know, how the experience, how the process, how something physical like a billboard, um, is there one day, yep. whether it's a wall paint, which is very, you know, in depth and detailed, and it already is an Instagrammable moment. Eventually that wall is getting a white paint over it and it's yep. gone. Yep. So how do we make that? How do we take our billboards on Sunset Boulevard with celebrities that are taking photos in front of their own faces? You know, how do we make those moments NFTs? And then more importantly, what you're alluding to is the utility side of it. How do we make this all a part of not just, hey, we're just doing it because to do it, but to have a reason behind it, to have that brand continue its conversation beyond just a billboard and just a wall escape. Right. That's exactly it. And I think a lot of this stuff is we, we haven't even <clears throat> conceptualized a lot of the possibilities here. And that's why I challenge people that are a little older like us or a little even older than us that are like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. It's like when we were younger and we were trying to explain MySpace, AOL, or whatever it yeah. was, your, your version of it, right, to your parents. Um, they just didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And it's because your brain, you know, can't conceptualize that. And that's what I think is we got to challenge ourselves to understand our youth and what they've been absorbing for the last 5, 10, 15 years and how that's going to play out when they're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old because that's coming. Yeah. And uh, as we wrap up the podcast, I'm going to get you to tell the story real fast. But <laughs> as, as we wrap it up, I, I think that's everything that we do is yeah. we encourage all of our listeners is to constantly ask the question why constantly innovate the way, you know, I tell my team all, all the time, the way things are today are not the way that they need to be tomorrow. Right. And that's, that's the definition of innovation. Love that. So never stay static. And I think that that's the key, right? Yeah. Test, test and learn. All it. right. So let's end the podcast with you telling the story. Cause I think this is an NFT moment. The you're talking about the, the slicing. Scissor, yeah. yeah. So, um, it was a really cool story when I, I got traded, um, from the Rangers to the White Sox and I got sent to AAA. So when I got called up to the big leagues with, with Chicago, my manager in AAA called me into the office and was like, Hey man, just hang out here. Don't go out and do stretch and everything today because you're probably going to get called up, but we're not hundred percent sure. And I was like, what does that mean? So I had to just sit in the office for 45 minutes. I'm just sitting there on my phone. Can't tell anybody anything, you know, like just sitting there. So he comes back in. He's like, all right, man, yeah, you're going to go up. He's like, but just don't say anything to anybody yet. Cause there's not, the news hasn't broke yet. And I was like, this is so weird. What is going yeah. on? He's like, I just want to let you know there's some stuff going on at the top level that is really messed up and we haven't experienced before. And I was like, all right, great. So <laughs> Can't I'm, going wait. To, I'm going to pack my yeah, locker and by the, I get back to the hotel and I'm showering. I get the news. Chris Sale suspended for cutting up jerseys. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, that's adding up. Now I know why I'm yeah. going called up, right? So they needed an extra body. So I get called up and everything. And so what happened was Chris Sale, he was the ace pitcher for the White Sox in the spring training. He told the clubby, hey, look, I'm not pitching in this retro jersey that we do every year. I pitched in it last year. I hate it. It's uncomfortable. So if my day comes, do not put it in my locker. I swear to God, I'll cut them up. <laughs> sure enough, it came. And so he walked in the clubhouse and he cut up 35 jerseys. He, 
So they told him to get the hell out of there. They sent him home, suspended him for five days, fined him 250 grand. And I got called up and I made the start for him um, and took his spot. Did you wear the jersey? I didn't wear the jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was five days later. So the jersey, uh, the jersey play was over. Yeah. Uh, but the good part was, which was really cool, was. Chris and I became friends over the course of that year. And when the season was over, they always throw like little souvenir yep. stuff in the clubhouse. And some of the stuff was these old jerseys, like replica jerseys. And I was like, I'm going to get Chris to sign one of these as a joke. So I go up to him. I'm like, Chris, <laughs> you sign this for me? And he just starts laughing. He was like, yeah, absolutely. And he's like, actually, I'm going to do it even better. So he signs Chris Sale and he writes and he writes out the word F these jerseys. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to go do one better. And he goes and gets scissors and he cuts up the jersey. So it's got a bunch of holes in it. And so I went and got it framed and it's sitting here in Cards and Culture. So yeah, we'll get a picture of it in yeah, Tennant because it's, it's so a great awesome. story. An and look, I feel story. bad because, you know, working in AAA, we used to make folks like you wear these just bizarro jerseys, <laughs> tuxedo shirt, jerseys, SpongeBob, yeah, square SpongeBob, pant oh night. My God, it's yeah. terrible. I had to pitch in so many of those stupid jerseys and stuff. Yeah. Kids days at 11 o'clock in the morning and there's 8,000 kids screaming at you because they're just happy to be out of school. But hey, that was fun. That's what made my That's where you are today. Yeah. Well, look, you I, always inspired by you, both on the, the mental side, our conversations, labeling you a futurist, because I think that's what you do great is you're constantly evolving, whether it's through your businesses. And I, I hope you're spot on. I think these NF, NIL deals and athletes start to begin to look at themselves different and realize as you're walking down the sidewalk, no, you never disappointed anyone. You're actually inspiring people by them seeing you at Cards and Culture at F45 or insert whatever uh, new sure. company. Okay, so you I appreciate that. the friendship. appreciate everything that you do. And thanks for being on the podcast. No, thanks for having Huge. me. This was awesome. Yeah. So thanks, Chuck. Digital and Dirt is brought to you by Lamar Advertising. To learn more, check out the links in the description or go to lamar.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify, Apple, or other platforms where podcasts are found. Thanks for listening.